to Table Radio Season 2. Today we continue our series on being together again with a sermon by Andy Withrow from Sunday, October 24th. Enjoy! Our text today comes from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 14, beginning at verse 1. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives him thanks. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your sister? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Do you remember the story of the Starbelly Sneetches? The Starbelly Sneetches had bellies with stars, and the plain belly Sneetches, well, they had none upon ours. And the star belly sneeches, they looked down on the plain bellies, and they didn't include them in any of their fun. They weren't good enough. And then one day, Sylvester McMonkey McBean rolls into town with his machine that attaches stars to bellies. So all the plain-bellied sneeches, well, they paid to get stars upon theirs. But all the star-bellied sneeches, they knew that they were still the best sneeches on the beaches. And they pay McBean to go through his star off machine. The long story short of it is that the Sneetches blow all their money going back and forth through McBean's machines. And McBean leaves town a rich man. But the Sneetches become richer still because they learned after getting swindled to accept one another regardless of whose bellies had stars and whose bellies had none upon theirs. This is my all-time favorite Dr. Seuss story. And it's not just for kids, is it? Because we all long to belong, don't we? It's built into the deepest parts of us from the earliest ages. We long to belong to someone, to people, to something bigger than ourselves. And we'll do all sorts of crazy things to feel it or to make sure that we are on the inside. And it begs the question, what does it mean to belong? How do we know we belong to someone, to something bigger than us? We have basic rules for this as friends and companions of one another. you got to show up. you got to be present. you got to help one another with the burdens of life. 
You gotta walk together. You have to share life together. So, for example, belonging to a household means helping with chores, with responsibilities, taking turns cooking, maybe, helping to pay the rent, having a seat at the dinner table, and having a room or a space to call your own. Or belonging to a sports team means practicing together, showing up early to games, ready to go, buying the right equipment, trusting others in the game with the ball. But what about belonging to God? This question is a main topic of the whole Bible, Genesis to Revelation. God is very, very interested in letting us know what it means to belong to him and how to go about it. Now, for some of us who grew up in certain churches, it may have looked very different. Maybe you grew up where dancing was discouraged. Drinking alcohol was forbidden. No horror movies. I don't know. Maybe certain kinds of music. For others of us, maybe it was wearing a WWJD bracelet in high school or driving around with a Honk for Jesus bumper sticker, wearing a cross around your neck. Or maybe it's centered around things like going to church on Sundays, reading your Bible, praying regularly. Maybe it looked like serving the poor, caring for the lonely and the oppressed, finding creative ways to love your neighbor, being an upright citizen. These are all Well, maybe not all of them, but a lot of them are great. (laughs) The problem is that they all can be empty tokens. Not necessarily are, but they can be. Because there's always, always a temptation to define my belonging by differentiating myself from others. Or by conforming myself to others. Kind of like the Starbelly Sneetches. Some of these may be helpful and good, but they can just become empty tokens. What about what's happening on the inside? Where are my motives? Where are these things that I'm doing coming from? Israel was meant to mark its belonging to God, what the Bible calls being holy or set apart, belonging to God, in a number of ways. And three of the big ones were diet. Certain foods were prepared certain ways, and certain foods were forbidden. Another way was how they marked time. They were to party on certain days and not to work on certain days. And then one of the big ones was their body. A piece of you, at least of the men, was cut off to mark them and remind them of his belonging. But like anything else, even these things can be observed externally without corresponding to any internal reality. In other words, all these things, the good and the bad, everything we mentioned, are external to me, and they may or may not reveal what's true about me internally. This is where the danger comes. This is a bit of what this passage is about with Paul. In the Bible, holiness, or belonging to God, is defined primarily not by what happens outside of me, but by what happens inside of me. Jesus talks about this a lot. One time he was arguing with some who were excellent curators of their external holiness, their external signs of belonging. They kept the stars on their belly clean for all to see. And he says this to them, Woe to you, you teachers of the law and you Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will also be clean. 
And he goes on, Woe to you, teachers of the law and the Pharisees, you hypocrites! You're like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to be people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. According to Jesus, we can definitely fake our belonging. But did you hear what Jesus said? If the inside is clean, the outside will also be clean. If on the inside we really belong to God, then on the outside we will also eventually reveal the same thing. It has to, Jesus says. To put it the other way around, we can work as hard as we want to curate our external lives to make it look good, but it won't necessarily make a hill of difference of what's happening inside. But if we can make the inside clean somehow, the outside will automatically become clean. It will take care of itself. Here's how Paul puts it in Romans 8, a few chapters before our text today. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living inside of you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. So our belonging to God in Christ changes everything. It impacts our whole life and it turns everything around. He goes on, for those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. Hear that language of belonging. Those who are led by the Spirit of God, which is an internal thing, are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again, so like grasping for that belonging. Instead, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, to daughterhood, and by him we cry, Abba, Father, or Daddy. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So from one point of view, what happens on the outside of us is not as important what's happening inside of us. That's where we experience the power to change what's on the outside or to live without that hypocrisy that Jesus was talking about, to know that we truly belong in here as a part of this thing which transforms how we live out there. So here's the problem. We can't know what's going on for sure inside someone else's mind and heart. We don't know what God's doing there. We don't have access to someone else's motives. They're hidden to us. And ours, they're hidden to them. We can take their word for it, but we don't know. In Romans 14, our passage from today, Paul uses the image of a party. We're all there at the invite of the host. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? As before his own master, he stands or fall, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. We are all there at the invite of the host. We may take issue with the way other guests are using their forks or how they're eating or the way they talk. We might even wonder whether they should be there at all. How did they get invited? Why are they part of this household? And here's Paul's point. 
We're not the host. How rude and arrogant would it be for me to question the host's invitation of another guest? I'm just a guest too. If God is able to make me stand based on what he has done inside me, based on my adoption into his family, and not by what the opinions of other people are, then it's the same basis on which he is able to make others in this household stand as well. We belong because of God's adoption to us. So this big idea, it helps us understand Paul in Romans 14. These old markers, they're not functional anymore. Those ones I talked about earlier about Israel being set apart, belonging to God. Paul specifically brings us diet and time, two of the main markers of Israel's belonging. Why is Paul saying that diet and marking time doesn't matter in the way that it used to? For one, because Israel's no longer to be physically set apart from the nations. Much of Israel's purpose was to reveal God to the rest of the world. And that was fulfilled in Jesus. Now, people from every nation can belong to God's family. No more need to physically separate yourself. So, an important side note, this is not a vegetarianism based on ethical concerns. Paul here isn't saying that that doesn't matter. That would be a different argument. But this is based on the markers of belonging to this particular God. Secondly, those external things, even according to the Old Testament story, they never made you holy anyway. God is the one who does. God's the one who makes you belong. Remember Romans 8, you're adopted into God's family based on his spirit residing in you. But we can understand, as Paul does here, why a people who had marked their belonging in these ways for centuries might have a difficult time not participating in the same practices. He says, have patience with them. Don't look down on them. So he says, you're all God's guests. Be careful how you look at one another. What you're doing internally, what are your motives and judgments as you look at your brother and sister? Because remember, the inside matters. God doesn't look to the external, but at the internal. Don't get caught making judgments about your neighbor, whom God knows inside and out. And finally, fourth, whatever you do in life, do it as worship to God. If you eat meat or if you don't. If you observe special days, or if you don't, either way, do it as an act of worship, giving thanks to God for it, is what Paul says. If you wear your WWJD bracelet, or don't, you wear a cross necklace or not, whatever the thing is, do it convinced in your own mind that you're doing it out of a trust and a love for God's goodness. Here's an important caveat. Some behavior is obviously out of bounds. So Paul will say in his letter to the Corinthians that the man sleeping with his stepmom, it's out of bounds. In no circumstance could he do that as an act of trust and worship. No question of motives in his heart. Likewise, for those who are truly adopted into God's family and know the longing and belonging to God, Paul would expect to be diligently, well, knowing the words of God, reading them, to know more about God, meeting together regularly with other brothers and sisters in God's family for mutual encouragement and living life together. That's why there's so many one another verses in the New Testament. The assumption is that we are a family who belong to one another, differences and all. And although these practices reveal what's happening on the inside of us, 
They can't be mistaken for it. They're not the same thing. We're to refrain from judging others by these external things. And we are to refrain from judging others because it's not our job anyway. Justice will be overseen by the host himself. And this is how Paul ends this passage. For we will all stand at the judgment seat of God, and each one of us will give account of themselves to God. A lot of us might cringe at this last verse, but it actually is there for our protection. That's why Paul's saying it. It protects us from having to take these matters into our own hands, to have to worry about it. God will handle it. It also protects us from being judged by those who can't truly see what's happening deep inside of us. God is at work. Only God can make us stand. It's also too important to remember the promise of Jesus. When the inside of that cup and that dish is clean, the outside will become clean as well. Because of our adoption and God's transforming work in us, we will be able to stand even at the judgment seat. That's good news. We all long to belong. God is inviting us into the deepest thing that we can belong to, his family. This is a great invitation for us. It's an invitation to know God more deeply through his words and through living life with others who also know him. It's also an invitation to experience all of life as worship, not just as a little sliver of it. It's something, life is something to do in cooperation with God and with thanksgiving as a gift. It's an invitation to confess and repent, to change our mind and our ways of our need to control others and our need to control situations. It's not our job. It's an invitation not to see other Christians who are different from us as projects to fix or as backwards folks to look down on, but as family to love and genuinely care about. And finally, it's an invitation to be invited to enjoy the party and the great grace of the host who invited such broken, empty, and needy people like us into his family. So God, we give you thanks for this great invitation, for Paul's words here to free us up from sideways glances and judging one another based on these external things. God, would you help us to know our adoption into your family, to know that your spirit resides in us. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Table Radio, an extension of the life of the Table Church, a community in Victoria, B.C. Our mission together is to love God, love each other, and to love and bless our neighbors so that we may see Christ revealed in common life. Music for this episode provided by the Preparation EP. Written and arranged by Coco Relieve and can be found at thetablechurch.bandcamp.com. To learn more about our community, please go to tablechurch.ca. Savior to all.